Okay, welcome to Runtime Reverie. Uh, I've got a special guest here, Nigel Thorne, who um, Craig has worked with. Um, Vincent's, um, where are you currently, Vincent? You're still in Korea, aren't you? Yeah, this is still Korea. <laughs> still living the dream. I'm, I'm back in Australia and... Um, yeah, but yeah, we've got Nigel. So I've worked with Nigel for a number of years, and um, yeah, he, I think he, you've always wanted to get onto the show, but uh, we had a bit of scheduling conflict. So yeah, uh, we've, yeah, we've yeah you guys record exactly when I do my stand-ups every day. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> intentional. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. I don't feel hurt. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so um, yeah, so some, we somehow stuffed up the calendar, and Nigel said he could join, and we thought, oh no, we're trying to get Nigel. We didn't want Nigel to come. <laughs> No, anyway, so no, please, please welcome. I've actually been wanting you to come on for a while, so yeah, yeah, great. Well, it's nice to be here. Yeah, I, I miss I miss working with you, Nigel, because Nigel and I work in complete opposite fashions, like as as polar opposite as you get. Like, I remember at one place we worked at, I, I spent a couple of weeks just knocking out a project, and at the end of it, my, Nigel's gone. Yeah, but is that service really what you intended? Is it really doing only one job? And it's gotten more philosophical. And I've just looked at him and I've gone, I hate you. You're right. We've got to do it again. But you're wrong because you're not right either. Uh, so <laughs> the next few weeks designing it up properly. And I've gone, oh, actually, I miss that. Those opposite ideas really, you know, you, you need different perspectives at work. Otherwise, uh, it always ends up the same. Yeah. It's very kind of you to say. I enjoy working with you too. I think you're right. We have very different um, approaches to things. I think you're very um, proactive, like like it, just let turn a handle, get it out, get it done. Um, and I'm sort of is it yeah, more more strategical maybe. I don't know. Like at the moment, I'm working on a thing where I'm I'm like there's two approaches to it. There's like, oh, we can stick a thing behind a lambda and just chuck it up there and it'll scale and, you know, it should be all right. And I'm sort of going, well, actually, you know, is there a way that we can structure the data differently so that the the, 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 the actual processing work is much, much less? So it's like, you know, trying, trying to solve the same problem, get the thing done faster, but in different, completely different ways. Hey, so you two are working together currently? No, we used to. We used to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, be before COVID times, actually, you know, so it was actually when we were in the office, which was great because, you know, there's that high-tech piece of equipment known as a whiteboard, which was great, <laughs> where, where you could literally draw architectural diagrams out, get it done. And, you know, I miss that about working in the office, you know, work's changed a little bit. I think the thing I'm missing the most is pair programming. I think um, like, uh, there's various ways to try and do it online. Um, I'm not happy with any of the tools I'm using at the moment for that. So um just that back and forth of passing the keyboard back between each other i'm just missing that i really enjoy that yeah no we, we we do it as best as we can um we still get that fixed but you know what we still got to go in the office once a month just to remind ourselves that commuting is terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah it makes your heart sing doesn't it being on that yeah. train yeah so you're working on performance oriented problems at the moment nigel yeah yeah, it's it's one of those things I gravitate towards. I think um, um, it's interesting within a team, especially when you get a mix of different skill sets within the team, um, and the product is saying that we need new features, so they're constantly pushing to get new features added. It's very easy for code to get um, guessed. Like you get more and more of the same added to it, and it's and it can slowly just because people will do the same thing, do it the way it's been done before, um, and sometimes 
as a result, things grow organically without having some sort of overarching structure to them. And I think that's usually fine. You need to have a moment where you go, well, actually, there's a enough gravitational pull here that this should collapse into some concept, right? And then, so so sometimes you end up like going back through code and like pulling out the what, what exactly is you know is the underlying theme within this code base that makes it work. And in doing that frequently, you also find like people will have will make building blocks and then they'll use the building blocks that are there to solve a problem. And then you'll you'll go, hang on, but that building block, like it's like it's like oh, there's a Homer Simpson episode where he's he's um uh, trying to get some ice cream. So he goes to the fridge and he wants chocolate ice cream. So he opens up a tub of Neapolitan ice cream and there's no chocolate. So he tosses it to one side and opens up another one and it's another yeah. Neapolitan completely full except for no chocolate. And he, and he just repeats that process over and over again. And then he goes, Marge, we need more Neapolitan ice cream, right? It's this, <laughs> it's like people will, will use the thing they know about. Like, oh, there is only Neapolitan ice cream. I like just, you know, and then, and so you just waste so much. Like, it's like, it's like when you, you go, um, uh, how many items are in this list? And so it'll go through and it'll count all the items. And it'll go, oh, there's 4,372 of them. And you go, great, is that bigger than one? Like, <laughs> is that bigger than zero? And you go, yes, okay, then I can do my thing. You're like, well, why did you count it, right? <laughs> you know, but it, that was the building book you were given, like the ability to count a list, as opposed to, is there anything in the list, right? Um, yeah, and there's lots of opportunities to pre-improve performance just by, Thinking, well, what actually? Why? Why do you need this information? What are you trying to do with it? Yeah. Well, the first part is to actually recognise the problems there, right? Because, like, you weren't here last time, Nigel, but uh, some people made fun of me that our build process was taking an hour and a half, which is not true. I measured it was an hour forty. Um, wow! And it was, and it, you, you just inherit these things, and you just accept that that's the way it is. And then I've gone back after recording, and I've just gone, all right. People made fun of me. I'm going to look and see where all the time's taken. Then you just realize people have just added things and integrated it time after time. We're down to 15 minutes now, right? And I think the natural gravity, and you start to get a vibe for it of where it's at. And I think the actual answer is probably about the seven-minute mark, you know? And then then the thinking really starts to go, how can I get that down to one or two minutes? You know, that would be really good. Yeah. You know, start getting into caching strategies. But the whole problem set was... You sit there, you look at the pipelines, you look at the stage steps, and you just go, why? Why are we doing that there? And then this over. And then you just go, the answer is always, well, you know what? We're not doing that anymore. It's gone. And so it's just an exercise yeah. in just killing things most. That gets you 90% of the way there. And you're just striving for simplicity. Mm. If you get to simplicity, then it's there. But everything else was just a general integration. I need this, so I'm going to add it on. I need that. I need to add it on rather than trying to find that simple approach. And that's a different modern skill programmers that I see coming these days than the ones that possibly when I first started, you know, doing early C, Pascal, those sorts of things where it was, you know, none of this stuff actually existed. So it was always start with a text editor to write your code. Heck, Pascal even have multiple file support. And these days it's more about integrating off-the-shelf solutions for all the other parts and doing it. And there's that bit in the middle that's sort of a bit lacking these days, which I think you're reminiscing on, weren't you, Vincent? Well, my, my main thing is that I remember like being in school and then, uh, yeah, pretty much like we were only taught one aspect of, program of um, software development, which is programming. But like all the things that uh, we're talking about, uh, at, uh, like doing at work these days, 
none of them are taught us in school, uh, whether it's in computer science or any other classes, really. Uh, so there's, I feel like there's like a big disconnect. Um, and I feel like if I was taught all those things um, at school, I would probably change major. You know, that would have been a good chance for me to decide like, okay, this is not for me. I want to go to art major, oh, like <laughs> completely different. Um, so which yeah. things are the things you're doing where you feel you're contributing value and like using your skills and which things do you think you feel are the, the wasteful activities or the the bit that doesn't feels looks like incidental complexity versus um, inherent complexity yeah uh, yeah like um, things that I feel like that are creative and I, I really do feel like I'm bringing value a lot uh, but you know like now I'm talking outside of work you know like when I'm creating a game for a game jam or I'm just like yeah doing having fun myself like making games and putting out into the world I think it does have value because people play games, my games, and then they they seem to enjoy it. Okay, so that's some value. Um, when I'm not putting values, is uh, yeah, like if I was doing uh, what Craig described, like uh, just going into the build and then looking like, uh, okay, why is this so slow? Oh, I have to remove this. That some somebody added. Like, why did I did that? Oh, I have to remove this. Those kind of things. That's I don't feel like that's, that's adding value. That's basically undoing somebody's work that wasn't that was kind of cluttering in the first place or like kind of cleaning somebody's mess well i guess it is added value but why is it there in the first place sure. i don't get that i think i think when you've got teams uh working on the same artifact that inherently you end up with um uh technical debt or like n a non-optimal solution right because because uh, and it's and it, it's unavoidable i think because you, you end up with um like I think part of your goal in as software developers is to is to build the code into a model of your understanding of the problem domain and get it to solve your problem. And as you as you learn new stuff and you're you're you you get those aha moments about your problem domain where you as a as a person go oh actually I didn't realize that before now I get it. You've now got a concept in your head that's a much better model of it than your code is, right? And so you've just invented technical debt by the fact that there's a discrepancy between how you understand it and how the code is modeling it. Um, and if you've got a team of people and they've all got different levels of understanding and different aspects of the problem they understand, there's no way that that model model is going to be the cleanest, simplest representation of that unless, like, you capture all that and get it in the code. And I think unless you're doing something like mob programming or something where like everyone's contributing to that at once, I just don't think you're gonna end up with the same model in everyone's head. No, also, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not possible, even in your own head, right? Because that, that implies that you know everything, you know, like right at the start and you don't, you learn as you go through, but you evolve as a programmer too. Like the number of times I've gone through code and that I'm working on and going, oh, what idiot made that? And you click on, that was me. <laughs> right, and yeah, you just I was thinking that with your build pipeline. Did you look through the YAML file for that, and it all said Craig? And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We we will not mention that, but probably it was me. <laughs> you know, like I, you do things and they're not perfect sometimes, right? So you just have to accept the way. So, Craig. Yeah, and you know, but you can have some code that actually adds a lot of value that's not pristine and perfect and all of those right and it's a difference in mentality too right there's 
there's though that programming that brings you joy and is you know pure programming you know like doing small things you know like the, the things that i remember learning was you know how to build your own algorithms and designing that you don't do that on your day job right you don't get paid for that and to me it was the same analogy as art artists versus graphic designers you yeah. know like you know one is a freedom expression of creativity and the other is i'm doing something for a particular job to get a particular result and i i still like that analogy for for some of the programming tasks we do yeah but, the part of the problem is that think that people have this concept in their head of how fast something is and they're like usually like totally wrong and that's where like all this like problem of like over abstraction and over engineering happens um so yeah i think things are a lot faster than people actually realize like often because like nigel and craig like we're all consultants so that's sort of the interesting um if it wasn't evident like what we often do is go into tricky tricky projects and try and um, make things a bit better like often what i'd do is just like do the naive thing like often like what people are doing like what craig was talking about before with the boot pipeline like no one was brave enough to take this like step out and it's like it's like what nigel was saying before i think before you know like why this thing that just gets done all the time like you know it's like some my bad description of some religions like why do we sacrifice the goat every autumn oh it's because my father did sacrifice the goat oh and because his grandfather did that and because he you know we, we just sacrificed the goat we don't why are we actually doing this thing no one really knows and so this is such a pressure in the industry to go from junior to so-called mid to so-called senior and often in that sort of middle ground people are not wanting to like stick their neck out and look a bit foolish like oh no i, I thought i'm trying to become senior here if i get rid of this like thing that's sacred i'm like I've added myself as this like person who doesn't know what's going on, but often what like often everything's just a bit uh, complicated and yeah, yeah. But you, get, you get comfortable with looking foolish after a while. Patrick. Exactly. Um, I've, been, I've been interviewing a bunch of people recently, and then well, one of the things I noticed is uh, within our industry, you go, I've worked somewhere a couple of years, and then I move on. Right, people jump around a fair bit, and uh, and it's interesting when they move on. Uh, they get uh, and they go start somewhere new they'll go ah oh, okay this isn't how we used to do it in my previous place right and sometimes that's it for them like they go i'm going to drive change because it's not the same as what i'm used to um, mm. and when you push them and say well but why is what you're trying to push towards better they actually don't have that backing to understand it they just go well it worked for us here and that's what that's what how it should be done and you're like but 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 why right whereas people with more experiences will, will go, oh, well, actually, well, in the end, this is the trade-off that's happening, and this is this is why this is better in this scenario, right? But it's rare. It's quite often the people that you've got these, they say they're seniors, they've got all this experience, but they actually don't know why the thing they're doing is the way that they, like, it should be done. And sometimes they play it in the wrong context. And, you know, we all, we've you, all done. You have, but you have to do that, Nigel, right? How else are you going to learn that that's not the way it works, right? So yeah. the, the skill is actually in the uh, trying and failing. Right. Yeah, right. Taking out that self-reflection of going, oh, that didn't work so good. And sometimes it doesn't come at that point in time. Sometimes it comes years later, you know. Yeah. And, you know, to me, you know, the the evolution of going from a junior to a senior, like the labels don't matter much, right? No, there's a mindset, there's a mindset switch though, right? 
And I think uh, one place I worked at, we had these two guys that um, were both at that level of like they've they've done they've done it for a bit. They think they've understood like the you know we we know what we're doing here now, right? We can do it our way. We right? can build anything. Yeah, right. And so they got given a project to work on this tool, um, and they they just architected it with the most strange convoluted architecture ever. But it was like. Um, uh, and and it was I knew it was going to happen, right? It was the it was the these guys have to have some rope to to go and find out what yeah. things that they think people are doing wrong are actually done that way, and so but by having their own thing to play with, uh, and then giving them a safe place to fail, right? They were able to then get it out of the system and go, oh, I see, and get that feedback loop. I think like feedback is such an important thing, and you have to do it in a way that it's safe. Uh, like yeah. Like, safe and often mm, right yeah. if you wait too long for the lesson then um you've wasted you know a year of your life and everyone else's and you haven't got there but if you can do it regularly that that's a good thing and be celebrated for recognizing that it's not working and changing your mind um, often that's the sticking your neck out part and being comfortable with looking like a goose but you yeah. know not easy to come by but that evolution of going from, you know, some junior, senior, and then beyond is that mentality shift of everything's a technical problem to, you know, how do you collaborate to, you know, it's all a problem of how you think and help, you know, work with others to, then you start going, actually, it's the problem itself. Like if you can get rid of the problem in its entirety and do the simplest thing that can possibly work, because as programmers, we just dive straight into programming mode, yeah. right? writing a solution when you go, you know, like, one of those ones was uh, how do we get more people on our thing? And we start writing software and features, mm. and things to bring it in. And you go, or we could have printed stickers and gone down to the local shopping centre, you know, which would have been far more effective. But we don't seem to think that way. But that's where you really go up a level. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm going to get some runtime reverie stickers and hand it out <laughs> at the shopping centre. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put on my, one on my laptop, definitely. <laughs> we should make some, actually. Yeah, we should. Um, the, the, just to, I just want to go back to Nigel, I think, strength, which is uh, <laughs> there is this sort of natural thing of where um, the, uh, I guess like stuff has become so productized and there is a lot of off-the-shelf stuff and like anyone, like not really anyone, I actually think the average dev is pretty good, but like generally like anyone can sort of build anything but then you have this like mess. You just have this ridiculously huge mansion with like fifteen bedrooms and like it's just like you know seventeen swimming pools. And what I've seen Nigel be really good at is he looks at the bigger picture. He's not just like looking at a because that what sort of happened as well. I think is that we have these little vertical teams like we've got a little designer, a little product manager, and then like six devs, and they like build out this little arm of the of the product. And they build, they strengthen this bit, and then someone else goes and strengthens this bit. And so what I've seen Nigel do is he just like look at the big picture, zoom out a bit, and then look at the fundamental like architectural, how things are sort of mapping conceptually, like you're talking about, but just like also just like simple schemas and how the data stored and is moved about. So I think like you need some that sort of. Um, there's not just like one way to do things obviously like that's a sort of truism but like i just think there's you need multiple avenues here and i think yeah i just want to highlight that sort of big picture look at things that's yeah, very kind of you um i think um i think i think i 
I lean into my into my um my weaknesses right so I, I don't have the best memory and I don't and and I and complex systems are hard so I try and find the inner complexity in inner simplicity so that I can understand it better and reason about it um so yeah that's that's something I'm always striving for um so, so it comes across as you know oh no I just found a simple solution but that was the only thing I could do was to come up with a simple solution because I'm not clever enough to come up with a hard one so <laughs> you know like uh Let's go back to the idea of education, right? Like uh, in the beginning, you were in school, you've only taught like to program, create new stuff, create more stuff, solve solution through software. And but uh, thinking like uh, perhaps like maybe that's where the problem lies. You know, what if we were taught like all the other aspects of uh, software engineering, such as uh, the idea that you know you don't always need to make things more complex if you simplify um, a system. And you breaking down to the more basic level, make it more understandable, and make it so that everybody, let's say in the classroom, like thinks like, okay, now I understand this more. Maybe if that was the goal, rather than you know you write your own little program and it works, then perhaps uh, you know we would software engineering as a whole would grow into a world where we would stop having like those like weird system that. Are incompatible with each other and like right now like every time like two libraries uh, we have to work with them like they don't work for some reason and we have to uh, ask uh, chat gpt or google bard to <laughs> figure out like what is the magic hack oh yeah there's this line that i need to put there and, and then the line actually doesn't really make any sense <laughs> at all when you think about the whole thing yeah, well, you find you find a path that works for you, and you reapply it, right? So, like a lot of my code, I go into in another module, and I, I spend most of my time just getting rid of Lodash, right? Because someone <laughs> knows Lodash. That's a library. It has to come in, and you just go, no, it doesn't. It's a one-liner in JavaScript now. It's off you go, and and fix that up. But Lodash was my Lodash was my pick of the week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, you yeah. know, another thing, you know, like. Uh, the software engineering culture has been grown into the into a world where people think like software engineering is all about like you know for every single small thing that you do like uh, for example like uh, figure out if a number is odd or even i'm gonna download this library i frequently yeah. found myself um looking at looking at people's libraries and then using them as as a uh, inspiration i guess you can almost Frequently, you go well. Okay, library solves this problem, and I need this this problem solved, right? So you go. You can find like the bit of code inside the library that does solves that bit of the problem, and just copy that bit out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's ninety nine the npm packaging and build stuff to to stick it onto npm, especially in JavaScript world. And then you go, ah, it's it's a file with like one class in it or something. Yeah. I can I can redo that in my way of doing it and sometimes it's a generic problem tool like you only need like a small element within the larger element of all the yeah. features and you're actually only using one little bit you go actually that's just one function and, you know and open source is fantastic for educating people on what's possible but not necessarily what's pleasurable in a coding sense you know like what what's simple to maintain own what what's important to you is that is that something that you think that this we're sort of setting up these like um stereotypes here but like someone more junior might go well if i use the open source package it's maintained it's up to date it's going to get the security patches but as someone with a bit more experience you're like i can understand this code 
it's actually I don't have to worry about that. Yes, like there's actually a lot of pluses. There's a skill in that, right? Of what to apply, when, when to build, when not to build. Um, it's not always simple. You know, what's core business and what's not core business. I mean, there's the very small, like we're talking functions and the small elements. And don't worry, me and Nigel would argue on the small elements all the time, right? <laughs> But then you get up and then there's the bigger aspects like where where nigel was loving to do was to look at the problems and the solutions that were there and trying to find the good ways forward and i would tap him on the shoulder you do that bud i'll go off and change the business all right <laughs> um i'll go work on the problem itself and then it, it's very it's you know skill skill wise you got to start work your way all the way up the tree out of the thing into the problem space look outside the computer look at what you're trying to do and find the beauty in that and then come back down to the very small you know if you don't execute it well on the very small you'll have poor execution all the way up the chain as well but it's it's that is the evolution that goes through it's not easy to do those things you're assuming that uh, this is like like a way all software engineer evolve like always in a good way but i'm thinking that uh, you know uh, software engineers they evolve in a way that uh, the opposite way also you know like uh, the more they evolve the more they think oh i'm getting lazy about uh, doing stuff whenever i want to do something small i'm just going to pick a library uh, i don't really need to look too much into it because uh, yeah i assume that uh, it's there so it works right and then uh, they create those monolith like giant monsters of uh, big dependencies uh, sure. you know and yeah, this, one of the things i often find with software developers when they're discussing like what's the right way to do something yeah is that they um that people can vehemently argue that they're both the right like you go well using a library is so much faster to get something going and you know what why would i you know try and understand it where there's a library that just does it for me right versus people that go well if you don't understand it then you know you don't know what's what the ways it can fail are and you know you should really get a good understanding right there's these two very opposite sides i guess but they're both right right and it's all context um and it's like the um but like if you're in a startup and you, you're just trying to find product market fit, right? You, your goal is to optimize for, you know, um, doing as many experiments as you can as fast as possible. Throw shit against the wall and see what sticks, right? And if you if you're going well, how should I TDD this and architect it and whatever, right? Unless that stuff is allowing you to experiment faster, it's actually getting in the way of what you're trying to do, right? And mm -hmm. so grabbing things that off the shelf that do a thing and then just you know, wrapping them in some script that makes it work is great to get your experiments up and running, right? But you wouldn't want to live with it forever. So, so you're, so, and as soon as you're in that state where you're going, look, I don't want to limit how many libraries I've got because every time a library changes, we have to do a, you know, a risk analysis against the, you know, da 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 da, da right? Oh, which is true, you have to do that stuff. But further on, you've got lots of users and you can break people by, by having your software get out. Um, then, yeah then th those things are both appropriate, but they're in the right context. Um, and it's funny when people argue about what's the right thing to do without mentioning their context they're coming from. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. this, uh, just to go what you were saying, Vincent, like I think there's been, a, are you all familiar with like jQuery? Hmm. So like jQuery, yeah. No, yeah, I've never, was, never heard of it, Patrick. jQuery, <laughs> the, the sort of the pitch of jQuery is that the like JavaScript is like not very like consistent between browsers. Like you had Internet Explorer, and I, yeah, I think Netscape was sort of dead. But you know, you had the different Safari and stuff, and they all work sort of slightly differently. And it gave you this like consistent API that made things a bit nicer because the DOM APIs really suck. 
And so it just makes everything like really pleasant, you know, much more easier to use. But then this thing happened when someone would search for a JavaScript question and they would get a jQuery answer on like Stack Overflow. I think sort of what has happened maybe is that there's been a jQueryification of like everything. Like you can't, you look at any problem and you go, okay, I want to talk to an API or like, you know, an HTTP API or like do anything. And it's like, you're not going to just go with what's built in. It's like, no, I have to find the right library to do this thing. Yeah. It's like, wait, why? Why do you need to do that? Like, mm -hmm. oh, because if you do it the the built-in way, it's going to have problems, going to be wrong, and you're not going to be like senior. Like, you need to. The industry always goes towards these like libraries for some. You yeah, know, these most, sort of... most people most people search for answers based upon the problem that they have, and they operate in traditional larger tech companies. That's where most people can earn a, a good living, and you know, but that's not every sort of scenario right you don't often get to choose your frameworks the thing that you're doing and you're just looking for the answers of what you currently got like you know now you know every, every problem solved by react um you know no matter how small it could possibly be but if that's what you're working in and that's what you're doing that's what people like to answer with but what vincent's saying as well is that you know there's you know assuming all tech companies are a particular way, right? And all career growth should be in a certain way. It is actually, it doesn't have to be that way. You can choose your own adventure, right? Like how often do you see people after they get to senior, their next level up is to go to some form of management of some sort. And the first thing they give up is their last 20 years of coding, right? And then after five years, they actually can't code very much anymore, but they're just making decisions on how the code should be going forward in the future, you know, and over time, those decisions become worse in quality because they're still not doing it. So you can choose different paths. You can choose to work on smaller things. It's just how do you survive in life? You still need to pay the rent. You still need to earn something. And you still want to do something you love. Sometimes you have to get it outside of work. Um, and sometimes you've got to actually just look at things differently. Yeah, I think that's more like the view on the individual level. I, I, I was also thinking that, uh, you know, like uh, as all the collective, like pretty much everybody contributes together uh, to work. Uh, I really think that uh, the software world itself um, uh, could have been a lot uh, more friendly because like all, all of you are, are asking like, oh yeah, there's two ways of thinking, you know, uh, people just um, love to bruise, uh, write their own stuff or some people like to bring libraries together and then it's very useful you know like uh, when you want to come up with something quick like you put all those things together and then you try it and it works actually for me that's not the experience at all like when you bring a bunch of libraries together like 99 percent of the time it doesn't work and then you have to spend like a like bunch of time like trying to fix that by doing random things and yeah this kind of thing, this kind of thinking where like, uh, you know, this, this idea that uh, sometimes you want to do something, you see something that works, uh, that, that is uh, claims to work and you bring it in and uh, like to assume thing is that it's not going to work and you have to, to do some weird random stuff. Now it's very common in software. Yeah, this is, there's this thing, right? Where you like the whole point of using the library is to give you a productivity win. Right. Uh, we save so much time because it's thought about the problem, solved all the stuff. But then to integrate the two, like you're saying, like, oh, to actually get this library to like work in CI and to work in everyone's dev environments and to work blah, blah, blah. 
it's like it takes like can take like over a week. They're, tra- they're trade-offs, right? There's, there's, you've got a problems, like even assuming you had got it all sorted out and it's all working and it's fine, right? You added some authentication library and now you can log in. You've got things, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Software doesn't just exist and be perfect forever. You know, there's not a lot of software like that. Even Unix utilities still change and evolve over time, right? So if you had a perfect integration and something off the shelf, it will eventually die. It'll eventually be out of date and you've got to change it. So what's right for now is not right forever. It's the best bet you've got right now to get to the next stage and go forward. I, th- I think the biggest danger we have is not revisiting our things. You know, we evolve, our ideas change, our implementations change. Here's Everything. the thing that now you're accustomed to those kind of things and you're saying like, yeah, that's how the things, how things goes, you know, when there's a software out, for sure, it's gonna die out within maybe one or two years, or I don't, I don't know how much, how long you expect. But the assume thing is that as soon as you get something, it's gonna die out. But f- look at things around the world, like uh, okay, cars they die out, but actually they do have like pretty long uh, uh, lifespan of like uh, yeah, a lot of tools that we use in the real world. But software is the only place where. Uh, we assume that things are going to break uh, within a few it's months kind of or like as soon as like we we just like add this no, there's, there's different there's different sorts of software right like i to me the, the greatest invention ever made was the voyager spacecraft that software is still running right they're still doing a great job of it and it was it was simple but not simple to make right really really difficult and it's mission and its payoff was something very well defined you know and it's very totally different to saying i'm going to make a finance app you know or a dating app or one of those sorts of things that they're just totally different sorts of exercises and i I think think the software that is constructed for those solutions is always going to be different and have different specialties to it but i think what vincent's sort of highlighting like easy to get a bit cynical but like feels like the industry like that's just the culture of the industry like you just assume that you'll rewrite everything like every like three to five years and that the these things have these like lifetimes and then it comes and it goes and like like oh jquery or whatever it is like that's so old hat that's legacy that's tech debt that needs to get be um removed but it's like it's just like assume like it's kind of if you take that jquery analogy right and if you tried to make the most perfect framework that would suit for that, you'd miss the opportunity. So you wouldn't actually live to fight another day. What's the opportunity? What's the opportunity? Oh, no. that but you got to so hardly change. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. The opportunity is not the technology. It's what the technology is being applied for, right? So your your business that you're trying to do to get paid for actually needs to be yeah. able to take that opportunity. So you build it in jQuery, and that's good. But if you are still on jQuery now you're most likely being left behind by all the other things, right? So disagree. I completely disagree because I think there's, this is me getting a bit cranky after being in um, (laughs) lockdowns and stuff too long, but like this has been like, you just look at the web apps today and you're like, does it work on my phone? And it like, it just fails at that task. You're like, we get paid like mega bucks and we can't make it work on like the most popular device in the world. Like it's, it would be slow. Oh, it can't, can't work on 3G. And you're like, Oh, see, How, like, you, what is you, wrong you, with you, this industry? You've missed the forest for the trees. You're looking at that phone. What, what a marvelous piece of technology built upon so many bits of software that so many people contribute to. Its capabilities over the last few years is <laughs> phenomenal. 
Yeah, but right. it all gets ruined by us software developers because this phone's like as fast as a laptop from 10 years ago, and yet it's, it'll be slow as hell. No, nah, it's it's enabled by software. Uh, that is a software-powered machine. Software is a, software is a burden. <laughs> anyway, that's getting too cynical. <laughs> but the the it's just I I think that software there's just been this thing of like software's eating the world, and for me it's just like gone totally overboard. Just like oh, every business should be software. I think that's just kind of ridiculous, but um, that's that's another topic. Let's yeah. let's go back to what Vincent was talking about. I th think part of the part of what happens is right. These little things that you stitch together, they're not just like little tiny cells. They're not just like nice little cells, and the cells like communicate. Oh, you know, they're just they're like they're like an entire organism, and mm. then like trying to like put one organism next to this other organism, like you're trying to stitch a bear next to a a big um shark and it's like these things just never going to marry very well yeah. like it's like, but i think like with jquery you used jquery to do a thing right with react you write your application in react yeah like your code is a plugin to to react versus versus the library being a thing you're using to to facilitate what you're trying to achieve oh man and, it's and like I, forgotten what jquery was like jquery was the hammer to every problem yeah <laughs> yeah it was a pit it, it was, was like yeah, there was a reason it got replaced, right? So it's it's not a discussion we'll get through. Like I, I still think every every problem space has its own unique skill sets and has its own unique solutions. And yeah. if you try to apply the solution for one problem space to another, you're not going to succeed, right? Yeah. And just because you're good at one area and you try it in something else, it doesn't mean you're good at that area either. Cool. I think that's a natural spot to uh, finish up. Um, yeah, I think, what's that? Sorry, what oh, yeah, let's do picks. Yeah, let's do picks. I think <laughs> we've done them for a while, so yeah. What's what? Let's start off with you, Nigel. What's your pick? So, um, I think in the last few days, all the Strange Loop and Yao videos from the talks all got put online. They are awesome, it's a fantastic resource. So, yeah, go and watch those. Those are, those are brilliant. There's so many good ones. <laughs> um, Another thing I saw recently was, and this is like yet another standard. Um, there was this powerful Mac called Cuddle, KDL, um, and it's just a, a, another take on like what Tommel and, and XAML and sorry, Tommel and XML and Jason are all trying to do, but um, it's got a quite a nice friendly format. Um, yeah, I just like the name too, KDL Cuddle. Well, what are picks, by the way? <laughs> Anything you've seen recently that you think's good that you want to share with the community? Oh yeah, Bungie.js. Like right now, I'm totally like crazy about Bungie.js. You know, this is the first time I've tried something, and then off the bat, it kind of it pretty much worked. You know, with actually no, it's not actually true. It didn't completely work. I still had to <laughs> minor tweaking, but it was it was like small enough that I'm thinking this is the way it should be. You know, like things I just install something it works that's what i want yeah, yeah. has anyone have you used or have any of you used bunjs i've sort of played around with this i started looking at it um i use this library called um sst which is for doing um serverless uh, it's like wraps around cdk and allows you to, to deploy serverless resources a lot um and it has really good typescript support and i was like ah oh, maybe you can plug bun into it and there's some there's chats about it but there's some bug or missing feature in bun that just makes it not currently work. 
And so I, I started looking at Bunn and then I backed out and went, it's not quite ready for me yet. <laughs> yeah, Bun, Bun, when I looked at it, wasn't quite ready as well in comparison to Deno. And so we actually went with Deno to do those small little projects that we had. Um, but yeah, I'm keen to go back and have another look at Bun now that it's sort of evolved up a bit. Have you looked at Dino, Vincent? Uh, I've, tried, I've tried, started trying Dino at some point, but it seems like it was a different way of programming or like different way of thinking of things. Yes. Uh, to uh, to NPM, so then uh, I don't know. I, I didn't want to spend so much time like learning about it. Yeah. And that's what something that I like about Bun. Like I didn't really seem to have to learn anything new. It just kind of worked. I don't know. I thought like. You know, you can think of it as if like uh, it's it's not bunches is not a new thing. It's just the the patch that fixed everything. Yeah, it's the, kind of, the evolution from what you know to going. Oh, all those problems are solved. The builds. It's kind the other it's bits. It's kind of crazy because like no and no they for years like you had require right to require another module require and then a string of name of the module, and then they added import export to JavaScript like JavaScript language, and then you had to tell Node. To be in two different modes. Do you want to be in ES mode or common JS require mode? And so, like, it just created this like massive fragmentation and confusion in the community. And Bun JS has gone. Why not both? Which is kind of crazy. So you can actually have import export in yeah. in the same file and use require at the same time. So it's like, in one way, it's like the less most unpure, disgusting solution out you know you could imagine. But it also just works. So. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah, I think that's the re the thing like that the thing that you were describing about Patrick. That's really the one thing that got me stuck for several weeks, uh, like pretty much like just banging my head on the wall on things. And the fact that it solved that, maybe that's the reason why now now I really love Bun. It only solved one thing for me, but and I thought like, wait, it solves every single thing, but actually I only had one problem, which, which was pretty much that you know like the whole confusion around required and common GS and all that stuff. You know? But yeah, yeah, it's it's great the way it got solved by. Oh, I have to keep playing with it. I'm I'm still I'm still um still a little bit um. Burnt out by the JavaScript stuff, but it, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely a lot of investment in it. So, um, my, my any last picks from you, Patrick? My pick will be uh, this course called Practical Accessibility. Um, it's one of the many courses that I've bought and then spent you know an hour on and then haven't finished. But it, it's uh, it looks really good. Um, it's on sale for, at the moment. I think the sale ends pretty soon. But if you want to get better at accessibility, it looks like it's from someone with a lot of expertise there. So, yeah. Courses are a way of as giving back to creators as well. Like, because lots of people do it, you know, like um, Kent Dodds with his React testing library and those things. But And I, I saw that, like, the mock service worker people just put out a, a course of their own as well. Um, I'm good at buying courses but not doing any of them. Just as one. There can see dots. Half uh, getting onto it. He's got a. I think he said I'm doing promotion for him. He's saying tomorrow he's putting his course on sale. That's called Epic Web. Yeah. Which is sort of the um, remix, and that includes the other two courses, the React one and the testing one. Um, yeah. So I'll, throw, I'll, I'll throw. I'll throw a link down for the mock service worker guy. Uh, mock service worker. If you haven't ever used that, really good. That's probably a good topic for another yeah. um, episode because I think 
box service worker, it's a good solution to a problem, but I, I am wondering in the future, like, why do we even have this problem? Like, why, yeah, as we move, maybe as, as we move away from single page apps. We'll, we go. We've, we've got our topic. <laughs> we've got our topic. <laughs> we don't move away from single page apps. Yeah. yeah. Yes, please. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm sorry, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but okay. What, what's your, uh, just quickly, we should wrap this episode up, but do, do you think it won't happen because you think it's not a good idea or because you just, because of the industry? Because really, like, uh, I mean, I have to admit, single page app, like, aside from the fact that uh, the implementation makes it like very wonky uh, uh, and everything, it's really a step up from uh, HTML pages where you click on links, it opens like a whole new thing. Like for me, it's a way, uh, like, um, order of magnitude uh, step up. Um, so I don't know. That's why I'm thinking. But uh, maybe you, I, I guess yeah. I'm thinking that you didn't really on that. But yeah. Oh, it's it's subtle. But yeah, that's let's have another episode. And um, please, Nigel, for your, um, I'd like to invite you along to that discussion. Cool. Yeah, I'd love to. As long as the schedules work out, I'd be very happy to join. Cool, I'm sure we can stick with this. All right, well, um, yeah, that's that's a wrap for this episode, and um, thank you for watching, and um, yeah, this is awesome. All right, bye for now. Bye. See you all.